blessings and welcome to Living 412. I want to welcome my wife, Sarita Inclan, joining us today. Hello, guys. And uh, we want to get right into it. Uh, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter 12. And I want to really quickly just read to you verse 12. So the book of Acts, chapter 12, verse 12. And if you have the NIV, which is what I'm going to be reading from, you can follow along. Maybe you can highlight it or go back to it whenever you're ready in case you're in your car. It says that when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. All right. Mm -hmm. So I want to paint that picture first. I'm starting on purpose with this verse. That when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, mm -hmm. where many people had gathered gathered and were praying so why am i starting with verse 12 i want to preface this a little bit with a quick build-up as to what's going on that the verse begins by saying when this had dawned on him so when we read up until acts 11 and you're reading the whole build up to 12 you realize or you see that the church was on a good streak, on a hot streak. It was growing. It was successful. It was uh, expanding, and people were experiencing conversions one after another, and, and, and the group was just getting bigger and bigger. So the movement was really taking force. And we know that Saul uh, was one of these that were converted, who we know as Paul yes. uh, later on. And we know about, uh, if you will, hopefully you know about him. If not, I would say look him up. It was a centurion named Cornelius. He had a, an encounter as well. So there was a lot of stuff going on, but it was all good stuff for the church, all the good stuff for, for the believers and the apostles that just kept spreading the good news. However, there was ugly opposition. There was a, a force that was wanting to stop this movement. Anytime you see that you're in a, a higher power and someone's coming to seemingly or what appears to be come to uh, overrule or take control or just the movement seems too fast, you know, for somebody in authority might be kind of scary. Yeah. So enter Herod the king. He was the one that was in charge at this time. He was the one that uh, felt threatened by this movement of people that are gathered and growing, and he's hearing all the whispers, and, you know, of course he wants to make a stop to this. Um, Herod is King Herod of Agrippa, or Herod Agrippa. He was the grandson of Herod the Great. He was also the nephew of Herod Antipas. Sounds like Antipasta. <laughs> So <coughs> if little history, Herod Antipas had a role in the trial of Jesus. You can find that in Luke 23, by the way. Yeah. So it turns out in this uh, little segment that we're going to read or that we, you know, you could read before this. Herod was already making a move to punish Christians, to persecute them and to try to put a, 
fear and intimidate and stop them. He didn't want this developing movement to continue spreading. So this all happened after Jesus, by the way. So he saw and was um, nervous, right? He was scared. Maybe not scared. He was just frustrated at this movement. And he said, I need to take one of these guys out and show an example. So he takes out James. And people seem to like it. Weird enough, you know, there's people that will cheer, people that will be happy about this. His supporters, of course. And he saw an increased popularity of his when he killed James. People drew a liking to that. So he wanted to improve his ratings even more. So he said, you know what? Now I'm going to go after Peter. Mm-hmm. So that's where we go back and read a couple of verses in the beginning. It's interesting that you said that, though, because it's like taking out the competition. One at a time. He's trying to pick them apart, you know, strategically. Yep. So now let's go back to, again, still in the book of Acts, chapter 12, now verse 1. It says that about this time, King Herod arrested someone who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with his sword or with a sword. And then three says, when he saw that it was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter. So he went after Peter, got him arrested. And this happened during the festival of the unleavened bread. In in, uh, verse four, it says, after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. I want you to pay attention to that. Four (laughs) squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That's in verse 5. This goes together with verse 12 that we opened up with. In 6, it says that the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. One of my favorite words in scripture, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, Get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. In verse 8, it says, Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals, and and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing or what was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. In verse 10, it says that they passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and it, and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left them. 
Then Peter came to, to himself and said, I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent this angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. And then the verse where we left, where we started, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Before I continue, let's talk about that a little bit. So I opened up with a group of many people gathered and were praying. I do want to specifically point out that this is what we as believers, we as a body, as a church, as a family should be doing. We, sh we should be gathering in our homes, praying for people. When there's a situation, you tell your fellow brother and sister, hey, come over, I need, I need us to pray. Uh, let's intercede on this person's behalf or I'm going through something or whatever it is. But gather, gather. You have to be able to uh, open up to people and, and share your thoughts, fears, experience, whatever it is. And, um, and talk to people and, and, and pray because miracles happen when the people pray. And that right then, right there is exactly what the church is all about, right? That right there. You know, the, the, the congregating, the getting together, that's what the church should be all about. Anytime um, we talk about uh, what we desire most from home church is that right there, the, the, the filling each other's need. Yes. You know, we've learned that in the Bible and that that's why they would gather um, they would gather to fill each other's need. And essentially, that's the atmosphere that we try to create and the understanding that we try to create in home church is like um, and I feel like that's what the whole body of Christ, you know, the church in the world. That's what we need to do. Just like we see our brothers and sisters, um, you know, in Ukraine struggling and we have to join in arms and pray for them. And that's that's essentially, I love that you said that, you know, that when you get together, you got to tell each other, you know, I'm struggling through this or I'm going through this, help me pray. And, and so that's essentially what you're doing when you're going to your churches and you're getting together with your other brothers and sisters in Christ. You're not just there i mean yes absolutely we get together and it becomes this explosion of the holy spirit uh and power and miracles happen and things like that it, when we go to church and we congregate together but essentially also uh the, the greater thing is to share love amongst one another and when you share love amongst one another that's the important thing that you're doing is you're you're getting to know each other. You're you're getting to know each other's needs. You're you're filling each other's needs with prayer. You're filling each other's needs with um with some time together. Uh, it's just overall that brotherhood, and 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 it's so important. And so I love that you touched that, and I love that you spoke about that because I I feel like that's one of the greatest things that we could learn as a body of Christ as the church is being able to fill each other's needs that way. And I feel as though if we just if we got together more often and and we 
when we got together, we did it with that understanding in mind. As and I mean all of us, as in the whole church, in whether if it's in Vineland, Bridgeton, Millville, uh, all over the world, you know, if we just got together with that mindset that you know I'm here not only to worship God and give Him thanks, but I'm also here for you, my brother, my sister. Oh my gosh, I really think that we would yeah. just create this even greater movement than what we initially started the movement for, you know. And and Matthew 18 clearly tells us that, you know, where there are two or three gathered in my name, I am there with them or there I am with them. And he wants us to do that. He wants us to be together. Like don't get me wrong. I, I get sometimes you can't make it to, to Sunday service yeah. and you have to watch it online. Yeah, just don't make it a habit. You know, don't get complacent and say, oh, I'm just going to do this online church every single day when you very well have the capability to attend. There's people that don't have the capability. Amen. But if you have the ability to get dressed, drive yourself or get picked up and go and enjoy with your brothers and sisters and raise hands together and sing and praise God and listen to to some word where, you know, whatever church you go to or, or you have close to you that's Bible-based, I encourage you, go. You, you should be gathering. And think about it. Like, here Peter had a need. He was in a very difficult position. He was in a dire situation. And the church recognized it, got together and started praying. Mm -hmm. Did they understand the magnitude of their prayer? Maybe not. Did they understand the power that was going to flow from their prayer? Maybe not. But look at the results. Yeah. And look at the power of when they got together and in one accord said, we need to pray. Whether if they were praying for him to be freed or they were praying for him to be at peace. Uh, you know, we don't know what kind of prayer they were saying, but you know, whatever it was that they were praying for, you know, it was powerful enough. And so I just, you know, really wanted to highlight that, what you were talking about, and encourage everyone that it, how important it is to have that mindset when you go to a congregation, that it's more than just offering thanks to God and offering worship to God. You're not just filling a seat. You're not you know? just filling a seat. You're not just being entertained. You know, it goes beyond that. It's more so for our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, he says it. He says, love God with all your heart, with all your might, and then love others as you love yourself. You know, these are the commands that he gives us, the two main commands. To love God and to love each other. And and if you realize it, like it changes the atmosphere when your brothers and sisters walk in with an with an attitude of gratitude and they just want to um, come and praise God, you know, and they want to just be present. It just feels different in the room. And in verse five, it says that the church was earnestly praying to God for him earnestly. Yeah. And, and if you look up the word earnestly, it's sincere with intense conviction. Seriously is another another word for it. Gravely, you know, intently. So they they knew that there was a need 
they knew that he needed someone to intercede on his behalf because if you think about it, it's not normal. It is not normal for 16 guards to be appointed to you. There was something about Peter, something about who Peter was worshiping or who Peter was preaching about and teaching about that made Herod so nervous that the common two guards or traditional two guards was not enough. Traditionally, they would have one guard chained to the prisoner and one that was keeping watch. Why does Herod now present four squads of four each, <laughs> each 16 <laughs> soldiers, 16 watchmen or 16, uh, uh, you know, guards watching Peter? Did he understand the magnitude of this movement? Did he, in the back of his mind, really believe what if God is really with Peter? Two guards isn't going to be enough. Right. What if a miracle happens, how it happened with Paul? What happens if something unexpected happens on my watch? How am I going to look? How are people going to see me if... I let this Peter get away. So let me just make sure, and I'm going to assign 16 soldiers, and I'm going to position them in different ways or in different places so that even if he manages to get past the first <laughs> set of guys, you got to get past the second and the third. And then to top it off, if, if you read the scripture, it says that there's an iron gate that leads into the city. This iron gate is not light. This is heavy. It's made out of iron, not aluminum. So it is heavy. If you ever picked up a cast iron skillet, your wrist starts to hurt if you hold it for too long mm -hmm. because it's heavy. Yeah. Which, by the way, in parentheses, the best way to make a steak, throw it on the skillet, then throw <laughs> it in the oven. But... <laughs> If you think about it, how heavy was this gate? If it's a huge gate that enters or leads into the city, right? We read the scriptures that say that it opened by its, by itself. So clearly, clearly something was happening in this atmosphere. Something was happening that caused for this angel to come and visit Peter. Something caused for... This moment for the guards to all of a sudden just stop. It doesn't say that was that there was some aggression. It doesn't say that there was a battle. It doesn't say that that uh, the guards tried to stop him. It doesn't say that the guards were sleeping. What happened during this time that Peter managed to walk out? He didn't run out. He walked out mm -hmm. with the angel. He didn't have to sneak out. <laughs> he just walked out the gate. Mm -hmm. And this huge gate, heavy gate, opened up miraculously. The guards did not stop him miraculously. It doesn't say that he was wielding a weapon or a shield. The angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. Put on what already belongs to you. 
put on your clothes. He didn't say go put on this garment or put on that. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. So there is something about the prayer of a people that were gathered together, earnestly, constantly praying for Peter, asking God to intervene, asking God for this miracle, asking God for his strength, asking God for something that would allow them to continue believing further and further into this beautiful thing that we call the gospel. And their earnest prayer allowed Peter, who was, by the way, chained to two soldiers, not one, and passed through all the other guards. I think it's also a testament to our faith. You know, it, it takes a lot of faith to to trust God to handle a situation that seems so impossible because that's what it sounds like to me you talk about how many soldiers are there you talk about that big old heavy gate it just sounds impossible it sounds like this situation is one where i there's no way out there's no there's way, no way out of guards? this there's <laughs> no way out of this situation there's no way out of I don't see how anyone can help me out of this situation, and I don't see how I can help myself out of this situation. But there is something so powerful in the faith and trust and belief in God in this story that he could just get up and in his s current situation, that the angel could say, put on your your clothes. I love that you said that because it's as if, you know, it's with the strength that I give to you. No matter how you look, no matter how the situation looks, and no matter what you look like or appear to look like to others. Don't focus on that. Just put your clothes on, and I'm going to help you out of this. But you just have to trust in me. You have to follow my instructions. The angel was very specific with him and said, put on your clothes mm -hmm. and come. Didn't give him any more instructions than that. That's it. So just a very basic instruction. And, he, and, and, and for Peter, I remember hearing a preacher recently say that. Um, that for Peter to not ask. So what am I putting this clothes on for? Or where are we going? What is this for? I'm in prison right now. What do you mean? You know, any any one of us would ask, would question the angel at that point. Yeah. Especially now in this in these days, if you if you were presented by an angel and the angels in whatever situation or scenario you're currently struggling through, and you said, but why? But what what's going to happen? Where are we going? We always ask questions. And yet in this moment, Peter was just like, I'm just going to do. And did what he was told. And then faith took over. Because for him to walk past, like you said, those guards. For him to just stroll right out of there. For him to just go right through that gate. 
for the gate to be lifted up and him to just walk right past it. It's that's faith. Not knowing where you're going, not knowing what how it's going to happen, not knowing how this is going to be how this is going to be possible. It's going to take faith and that's just what you have to do. Whatever situation it is that you may be facing right now, I know that through this through this message in the in the Bible through this story God is telling you you just have to trust you just have to trust and have faith and I know it's hard because it seems impossible absolutely but it's the faith that you place in God it's in the trust that you place in God that allows your faith to grow really that's what it is it's the trust that you place in God that allows your faith to grow and it allows the faith to move the mountains that need to be moved amen yes and if you think about on the other side, think about Peter. <coughs> when you read these scriptures, it says that Peter was sleeping. It says that Peter was asleep and the angel woke him up. Now, this was the night before Herod was about to bring Peter to trial. Mm -hmm. So this could have been Peter's last night and most likely was going by what happened to James. Yeah. So if all of a sudden the angel appears to him, woke him up, how are you sleeping if this is your last night? Mm -hmm. Peter had no anxiety, did not lose sleep, was not worried. And I love that. I actually missed that originally. And I'm like, Peter was asleep on his night last night. Can it be that he had so much confidence in the Lord of whatever is about to happen, it's going to be your will. And I am not going to lose sleep over this. And Peter was asleep. He was not worried about the chains. He was not worried about the guards. And if you think about it, neither was God. Chains, guards, prison doors, that means nothing to, me, to God. Peter was still set free. So I don't know what is holding you back today, what chains you are carrying that are heavy, what chains are causing you to lose sleep, what door you seem impossible to open or perhaps close on your behalf. I don't know what it is that's holding you back today, but I want to let you know that the same way no chains matter to God, no clothing mat mattered to God. No guards mattered. It didn't matter if it was two guards, four guards, or 16 guards. For God, nothing is impossible. Amen. So your chains are not permanent. They, were, they can be loosed. They can be removed. Doors can be opened. Restoration can come your way. Amen. But you have to also believe that God can do it. It says later on, that Peter said to himself, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent this angel and rescued me. And I believe today that if you believe that as well, God will be there on your behalf. And we, that goes to show you, that goes to show you that Peter, in that moment, when the angel first came, maybe he felt that slight doubt of, 
how we're going to do this. He probably never spoke it. I'm sure if he would have spoken it, it would have been written. He probably thought to himself, man, how we're going to do this. How's this going to be possible? So even if you have a glimpse or a shadow of a doubt, he will still see you through that. He will Mm -hmm. still see you through the doubt and the fear or the little anxiety that you may feel or the great anxiety that you may feel. Whatever it is that you might feel, you he will still lead you through it as long as you trust him. And it says there, like you said, now I know that first surely he has brought this angel to set me free. You know? Yeah, and just put your trust in him. Give him your fears, your you know, your worries. Share it with your fellow brothers and sisters so that we as a body can pray for you and the chains will fall. Um the doors will open and healing will come. Things will be removed. Transformation will come. But you don't have to do it alone. You do not have to do it alone. Understand that there are people in many places that gather and pray. Find that place. Find a good biblical-based church that is willing to pray, that is willing to read, that is willing to teach, that is willing to take phone calls, that is willing to come and visit you or, or you visit them, whatever it is. Don't be alone. It is not good for a man to be alone. Find somebody that you can turn to. We are always here for you. You can reach us at inclanministries06 at gmail.com. You could also watch our Facebook messages on Sunday um, at facebook.com backslash hcvineland. And you can just uh, send us a message right on Facebook or by email, and uh, we'll get back to you. Uh, You're not alone. We want to help you in this walk. We want to help you with your struggles. We want to be a listening ear, and most importantly, we want to pray for you. Amen. This has been Living for 12. Thank you, and God bless.